Hi, everybody. How you doing? Doug Flutie here. This is the Flutie Flakes cast. Interesting day for Dak Prescott. Uh, signed his four-year, $160 million deal with 66 of it guaranteed in the first year. 66 of it signing bonus, actually. 75 to make in the first year. $126 million of it guaranteed. A four-year deal. Dallas making Dak their man. And, you know, he's had an opportunity to play. He's played well. I think what Dallas saw was with Dak out of the lineup, how desperate they were on offense to move the football and what a necessity it is to have him as their quarterback. Hopefully um, they've offensively been able to move the ball and score points and, and rack up the yards. Defensively, it's been a real struggle, and that's why they really haven't won. And this is his opportunity to, to, to make that run and, and be the guy in Dallas and take over. I will be having the Dallas legend that all – Dallas quarterbacks are measured by, and that will be Roger Staubach on our podcast today. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I've heard uh, both Tony Romo and Troy Aikman talk that, you know, when they went to Dallas, that they're constantly compared to what Roger Staubach did. And so Dak is the next in line to try to make a run at a Super Bowl. Uh, offensively, things are in place for them to have an exceptional year. It's a matter of the defense again. And, and there comes a point in your career where you have to make the money. It's, it's at, you're at a certain point where you have a limited amount of time. Dak had a nasty injury last year, and you never know when it's all going to end. And you, you sign the big deal, and you, you're going to secure for your family um, and the future. But then there comes a point when you've made the money, and at some point down the road, it becomes more about how do we win a Super Bowl? What is the path? And you see veteran quarterbacks that have made their name for themselves, made their money, maybe even won a Super Bowl, start to worry about taking a pay cut and pushing money elsewhere for other positions to do whatever is best to absolutely win it all. And Dak is not at that point in his career right now. This is his first major contract. He will have a chance four years from now, if he plays well, to even do another big deal and do this all again. The opportunity is there, but when it comes time to do that second deal, what will be his priority and what will be waiting in the wings as far as Dallas and Super Bowls and will he have already won one or be moving on? In looking at Dak's situation, though, I'm very happy for him. I'm happy to see that he's in one city. The thing I talk about with a lot of quarterbacks, how jealous I am of guys that are able to stay in one city, build a legacy in that city, continue to build on on that and uh, – you year after year build your offense. So it's just stepping stones. You get better and better at what you're doing. and You surround yourself with guys that you have confidence in. It just keeps this uh, upward climb throughout your career. So I was always jealous of those kind of guys. And it looks like Dak's going to be in that position. A lot of noise going on about Russell Wilson. Um, we talked a little bit about it last week. Now he's down to three options. <laughs> Dallas out of, the, out of the running. But New Orleans, Chicago and uh, the Raiders out in Vegas. As I just said about Dak and building your legacy in one city, I love seeing that for a quarterback. Russell Wilson has won his Super Bowl in Seattle. Definitely should have had two. Came up a yard short. Um, be careful, I, and I say this all the time, be careful what you ask for. You start moving around, there's no guarantee of success in another city. There's no guarantee of a, you know, I, I know you have friction in a relationship and, and things are starting to, come apart a little bit, but you got to find a way to solidify that and stay put to give yourself the best option, I believe. Uh, if you move on, there's a lot of variables involved. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, yeah, there's a honeymoon period where 
everybody loves you and you want to go in and you're going to change the world in the new organization and, and win a Super Bowl. But when things don't work out right away, the natives get restless. And uh, I just, uh, I don't want to see him get into a bad situation. Uh, I think he's been winning. Shoot, you look back to last year, the first half of the season, all we could talk about were Russell Wilson's deep balls and the way he was throwing the deep ball and the touchdown passes and things getting racked up. And he was in having an MVP season, you know, it was struggles down the wire in the, in the second half of the year. Uh, whatever happened, I think that uh, he and Pete Carroll have had a great relationship out there and, and really built something nice. And you got to find a way to rectify that. If he does move on, it looks like it could be Chicago. It'll be an interesting fit. Uh, the bouncing from city to city. It's, I mean, I did it my whole career. I, my whole career, I bounced around all over the place and you're moving the family, you're uprooting things. You're, it is a fresh start. But if you have a family, if you have kids in school, all those things become a factor when you're moving around. Uh, I was um, in our situation, my daughter wound up having to be homeschooled a couple of the years, my son with autism. Uh, you wind up with these situations where he, it's very tough to find good programs. A couple of years here when I was in Buffalo where my wife and kids stayed in the Boston area because of the programs for our son. So there's a lot of variables when you start bouncing around uh, and you're talking family and, and moving on. Again, the big news with Dak Prescott, we're very happy for Dak. I uh, hope it all works out that uh, he gets himself a Super Bowl sometime soon because now the expectations are going to be very high. The, the bar is set high, the numbers are huge, and uh, Let's see if that can make a run at it. Well, we have Roger Staubach coming up, but before we get to Roger, a little story about him and I crossing paths. I played a flag football game for um, a Wounded Warriors program every year. A bunch of NFL guys, retired guys, you know, a, lot of, a lot of top-notch ball players out on the field. And one year, Roger was the opposing quarterback. And I'm thinking, Roger Staubach, he was 63 at the time. And I'm thinking... It's really cool that I get to meet Roger Stallback, but he's going to be able to Roger Stallback at 63. Now I've played this flag football game for 23 years now, and I've lost twice. One of them was to Roger Stallback at 63 years old. Roger was moving around. He was throwing on the run. He was slinging it down the field. He was, and then I hear all these, and at halftime of that game, I was so excited to meet Roger that my younger brother and I, go over and we just started running routes and Roger Stallback's throwing passes to me. And I, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then I find out that even into his seventies and, and that Roger still plays flag football on Thanksgiving day with his old cowboy buddies uh, before the Thanksgiving day game. Um, and that he still likes to sling it around. And I've seen some of the video and into his seventies, he can still throw the football. So one of the all time competitors, uh, a guy that um, I grew up watching and absolutely love. Uh, don't forget, you can get the podcast at uh, Sirius XM app or wherever you get your podcast and make sure to rate and review. Roger Staubach coming up. Hello, everyone. This is Bruce Murray, and I'd love you to join me on my podcast, Going Long, where every week we talk to the sports stars themselves, like NFL Hall of Famer Brett Favre. I was probably better at, at baseball than I was football. And the people that love them, like TV legend George Wendt. I thought about changing to be a Cup fan as a career move. And sports casting icon Linda Cohen. I never thought I'd still be doing it at this point in time. You can listen to Going Long every Thursday on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I'm very excited to have uh, Roger Stallback join me. And Roger, I, I just... 
as a kid growing up, watching you play inspired me. I loved watching you run around. That's how I kind of started playing the way I play. I didn't have the arm you had. And uh, I just, uh, I loved watching you in the two minute drill. I loved watching all of, I just was a big, big fan over those years. But we got to get one thing straight. When you and I get together, we got to get this one thing straight. And that is, you are the author of the phrase, the Hail Mary and the Hail Mary pass. It was not Doug Flutie, people. I know everybody says that the pass down of Miami, but it was not. Roger, after the game in an interview, didn't you coin that phrase? Well, I did. It was a, um, you know, just one of those uh, games where uh, all of a sudden uh, we were, you know, it looked like it was over. And uh, so I threw a pass to Drew Pearson. He made, I actually pumped to the, uh, Paul Krause, the safety kind of went over. And mm -hmm. so when I turned to throw, I Drew caught it on his hip. And of course, Drew was a fantastic uh, athlete. And uh, so he caught it, went in the end zone and it was, uh, it was a winning touchdown. And we, um, uh, after the game, uh, this AP writer just came up to me and just said, hey, Roger, what were you thinking about when you threw it? Threw the pass Drew Pearson, I said, well, uh, you know, I was a Catholic kid from Cincinnati, Ohio. So I said, you know, I, I just uh, closed my eyes and said a Hail Mary. And uh, so the Hail Mary thing really took off. And your, yours was a Hail Mary pass in Miami. And it was a Hail Mary pass. It was, but uh, the term, I, I think the NFL should recognize that was the first time it was ever said in, uh, in college football also was uh, the term Hail Mary. Well, mine was definitely just, uh, you know, everybody get long, go down in the end zone, and I'm throwing it up for grabs. You actually pumped the safety left. Did you run it like a double move with Drew on the right side? Did he do an in and up or well, something? Well, yeah, that really just, you know, the play before that was fourth and 17, and he made a great catch in the sideline. So he, he, he just made a, a quick little move and went. Uh, the thing is that they kind of made a mistake because they, they just, just should have just stayed back. I mean, they didn't do that. So the cornerback was still guarding Drew almost one-on-one -on -one and uh, the safety was going to come over. That's why I tried to pump. So it, so Drew, Drew just made a, a, just a great catch. And uh, it was one of those, uh, those, I, I guess the, the Vikings would uh, second guess themselves for uh, the defense they were in, but it was, it was a big win. We were, uh, weren't favored to do much that year. That was 75. And, then we went off and uh, beat the, uh, the the Rams were uh, bragging about saying, hey, oh, now, you know, we don't have to go to Minnesota and play in the cold. So we went there and beat the Rams pretty good and uh, lost uh, a big game to the Steelers 21 to 17. So the Hail Mary pass got us into the Super Bowl. But uh, we were if we would have won the Super Bowl that year against the Hail Mary pass uh, would have been responsible for a Super Bowl. <laughs> Well, the fourth and 17 was amazing, too. I mean, the catch he caught on the sideline, that was absolutely crazy. But that was the thing that I always, growing up watching you play, was the last two minutes of a game, the fourth quarter, the never give up, the captain comeback thing. What is different in those situations? What the mindset does, I talked to John Havlicek once about it, and John said, it seemed like everything around you slows down. Everybody's moving it in slow motion, and I've got a lot more time to make decisions and do things. So maybe it's that you know mentally you're sharper and you're starting to think clear. I don't know. What was your take on those situations? Well, you know, uh, hearing that from you, who was you go, you were fantastic uh, as a college football player, and everybody was, didn't give you the the respect they they did if when you went to pro football, but you showed them. <laughs> you were able to to do it all and. 
it, you know, it, it, uh, there's a, uh, a confidence in yourself that's very important, but, but you got to transfer that confidence to your teammates and then you have a chance uh, when you're in some tight situations. Uh, some players, uh, you know, think, oh, we can't, we can't win this one. But if they, if, if, if they really understand you as a quarterback, you have the confidence that we can do it, they're going to give you that 100% you need. You need a team effort when, when you do any kind of comebacks and big plays. And uh, my teammates had confidence that we always had a chance to win, win the game. And when, when you get into that kind of uh, uh, tempo, it was uh, started in college and it, and it went on with the Cowboys. But I was uh, you know, fortunate to have great teammates also. As, as you know, you can't football, you can't do it by yourself. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and hearing comments from, from your former teammates over the years, and that's, they've always said that about you, that you know, we felt with Roger, a quarterback, we could do anything, that we were going to win and no situation was too big. Uh, my first start was against Navy. I, I played, I came in the end of the game at Penn State and played well. And then we go to play Navy and I got the start and I was, I played nervous and tight and made a bunch of mistakes and we lose 24 to 10. But in the fourth quarter, I relaxed and played well. And then the next week we did play Army and I had a great game and, and I was off and running. Yeah. So we were that far apart because that was six, that was 62 was when we beat uh, Boston College up and that, that it really was a critical game in my life because I was a, you couldn't play varsity football when you were a freshman back then. It was three years. So I got a chance finally to, we, we got off to a slow start, we lost to Penn State. And so I got a chance to start against Boston College. And uh, fortunately, we came back and won the game. And uh, I just never forget that, that game. And, uh, you know, I watched you as a great Boston College quarterback. So I, I like Boston College. <laughs> they were good to you. Got you started. Got you rolling. I, that's, isn't it amazing how just a couple of good plays, the confidence level, yeah. and all of a sudden you're all – because it was hard. That first game for me, that start against Navy, I played poorly for three quarters. So did you, you played Army. We played Army too, right after right? that Navy game, and they stayed with me as the starter. Did you, uh, did you get a shot at Notre Dame when you were at Navy? How did you do with Notre Dame? We played Notre Dame every year. Yeah, we played. Uh, we beat Notre Dame uh, in our uh, 1963, and we lost to them in 62 and 64. But we beat them in 63. We we had a pretty good, real good team in 63. We were nine and one, and uh, we played Texas in the Cotton Bowl. And uh, back after the Cotton Bowl game was over, I said, I never ever want to come back to Texas. <laughs> That that changed a little bit. <laughs> so this has been our been our home and, and our team and uh, with, the, with the Cowboys. But we uh, uh, so sixty three. We we really had a that was our our, our big year. We uh, had a big game against Army that year, and, and uh, that was the year President Kennedy was assassinated. And in sixty two, he was at the game and in our locker room, and uh, it was uh, a big deal. In sixty three, we actually played the game on behalf. The game was delayed another week because of uh, what happened. And so we played uh, for the, the president that year. A buddy of mine, his father was one of the uh, motorcycle police officers on the back corner of the car when, when uh, President Kennedy was shot. And I had an opportunity to sit and talk to him so many times about you know the details of what went on that day. And uh, that's something that uh, shocked the nation and everybody knew where they were when it happened. And the fact that you were able to be in the locker room with President Kennedy a year before and then realize, you know, plus a Navy man, uh, 
how did uh, how did you find out about the Heisman? How were you notified when you won the Heisman back? Well, there was uh, you know just things going on uh, that you know were in the paper and things at the in, in, in Annapolis that you know that we that was our sixty three season. We every, you know it's you don't win the Heisman unless your team is <laughs> is really uh, a good team and. And uh, in fact, I told, I've told all the players when I was, when I received the Heisman in New York, I said, uh, I'm going to cut this Heisman up in pieces and give to my teammates. I literally hear, hear from uh, my teammates and ask, they're, they're still asking, when are you going to give me a piece of your Heisman? <laughs> so, so the Heisman was, uh, it, it, it was part of our big season that year. And I've always felt that, you know, it was a, it was a team Heisman that year for Navy because we were nine and one that year. And, Beat Notre Dame, beat won some big games, Michigan, and uh, and so the, the Heisman became part of a, a really good season that we had. Yeah, you know, so. and I I feel the same way that uh, you know you have to be a competitive team and in the mix for the national championship. Or we played in the Cotton Bowl my senior year. Yeah, and it, the fact that you're on a good football team and you become the focal point lends itself to winning the Heisman. And nowadays, it's almost like you have to be the national champion and win every game to have that chance. It shouldn't be that way. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful award, but it's, it's really a team award. What, what were your Super Bowl, the relationships you had with the guys of your Super Bowl teams or, or your successful teams? And how you still feel about those guys today? Well, I've, I've got uh, some great uh, relationships. We get together at, at times with I was like on two different, two different teams. Uh, you know, Doug, I was, uh, I was there when the Cowboys were really coach Landry had them, you know, uh, fighting and doing good. Don Meredith was a quarterback. And, uh, when I, when I left the Navy, I got, uh, literally, uh, the week I, I was leaving, they called me and said, uh, that, uh, Don Meredith retired. And, uh, and, and I thought it was a joke, you know, I thought they were just kidding, you know, and, uh, sure enough, Don Meredith retired. So I was able to, uh, play behind Craig Morton. And so it, it you know, it, it was very fortuitous because we were on at that time we were on the, on a roll. Uh, the team was a good, good, really good football team. And with Don, they, they lost, you know, a couple of those tough ones against the, the, uh, the, the Packers. And so a Super Bowl uh, was in our second year. We were in the Super Bowl. We lost to Baltimore. And uh, the next year is when I get a chance chance to play and uh, Craig and I both uh, played th- that season and I got a chance to play a lot and uh, we uh, you know when we won that first Super Bowl when we beat Miami it was uh, it changed things I mean Dallas and even Coach Landry was uh, they, he was definitely tired of you can't win the big game uh, and so when we won that first big game it was with the you know the Mel Renfros the Bob Lillies the Leroy Jordans and Ornell Greens and just a different, you know, those guys and who I were when I was in the Navy, I was watching them play. And so we, we almost had a whole different team after 1975. And, you know, we added uh, Drew Pearson and uh, Tony Hill, Tony Dorsett. And, and so when we won that uh, second Super Bowl against Denver, we were like a different football team. And the, what a feeling, I mean, it, you know, you, you, you want to be recognized as a, uh, you know, a team that, not only good, but you can, you can be champions. And we were champions twice and we lost two tough ones to the Steelers who were, uh, they were a really, really a good football team. And as you know, you, you know, I'm sure, you know, Terry, I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan of Bradshaw. He's a character. I mean, watch his TV show now with 
<laughs> did you have you seen the uh better late than never show that he yes. did uh-huh. yeah oh my goodness i love that terry of course he always ends up naked in one of those <laughs> shows well, yeah, that, yeah he's uh but you know again they, they were a great football team and bradshaw was their guy and uh, swan and all, all all of them in defense uh joe green and we played them as 35 to 31 was was really a tough to them and uh that kind of made them the team of the seventies, but we were, we were the, actually the winningest team in the seventies. And, uh, and we were, uh, always in the hunt and, uh, and we, we won a couple of Super Bowls, but those Dagon Steelers were, uh, pretty darn good too. <laughs> yeah, they were tough. And Terry, yeah. I don't remember what the completion percentages were, but I, I, I swear Terry completed 25% of his passes, but they were all 60 oh, yard bombs. Lord. You know, you're exactly right. I mean, he, he made some big plays all the time. Yeah. 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 It was just rear back throw for Swanee. Swanee makes these catches and then you're running around. I, you know, I loved watching you. Well, even the, the first Super Bowl, all of a sudden they got in the last couple of minutes, you take them down the field, bang, got the ball right back. had a chance. You, know, you were throwing a true Hail Mary on the last play there. Um, I want to go back to that better late than never show. And the funny thing with this, this show Terry did with uh, Foreman, William Shatner. And the whole running joke was Shatner was like 15 years older than everybody else. And they do these, I don't know, adventures with each other overseas, whatever. And Terry's running joke was, is Bill still alive? You know, anybody check on Bill this morning? How's Bill? Is Bill the, and what they, so I ran into Terry at a Super Bowl. We were on Radio Row. And I said, I love the show. I want to do the same thing. I want to do one of those. He says, hey, he dies. You're in. So I, But Bill's still out there kicking, having a great time. And, and, and those, were, those were fun days watching the two of you go head-to-head all through the 70s for me. And, uh, and looking at the offenses today and the skill set that you had and that I had, I, I get very envious of what they do. Off, I mean, even I know I butted heads with coaches yeah. about you know, the scrambling and moving around. And I know, not probably, I know that you ran into a lot of those situations with um, – Tom Landry, you know, probably get frustrated scratching his head when you start to leave the pocket. In my 11th year in the league, he was, he was watching the film and I, I was running. He said, you're going to learn someday. And I said, hey, coach, I'm about ready to retire. He said, well, you're going to learn anyway. So he, he was frustrated at times when I ran, but, but he was also happy with it. He, he just wouldn't admit it. 11 years in the league, you, you come out of football and you transition better than anyone to life after football. And, and talk a little bit about your mindset because I think a lot of guys struggle. A lot of guys struggle when they leave football to find a passion about mm-hmm. something else. And, uh, you know, you've been ultra successful after football. What was that transition for you like? The thing that, uh, that, that I had that doesn't always happen to a, a rookie player, obviously, is a, is a pretty good-sized family. And so I was in the Navy four years, and we had three children born in the Navy. So I, And they don't pay quarterbacks quite what they do today. Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to that. We'll get to that. You're going to talk about that new contract. <laughs> the, uh, so I, I really, um, when I joined the Cowboys, I, uh, uh, with our children and everything else, uh, you know, my first year was $25,000. And that, you know, I was a, 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 a rookie and I worked in the off season, but I, I was a fanatic on working out and everything. So I, you know, I still worked out in the off season, but I worked for a real estate firm, the Henry S. Miller Company in the off season. And just during the off season, so I, and Mr. Miller allowed me to, you know, be to be there for about five months a year, and I really decided 
decided I really liked the real estate business. If I was just, you know, a rookie and didn't have any <laughs> children or anything, I, you, you're not thinking that far ahead because you might be 34, 36, 35, or whatever it is when you retire. And, that, and that's, you're still, that's a young, young time in life. And so you, today's athlete, if he really saves his money and the, the money they make, they, they can do it. And back in the old days, uh, be prepared to do something else after football. And I was already conditioned to do the real estate business. And I did it because when I was a rookie, I you know, had three children. And uh, so I decided I was going to work and it, it paid off. I, I stayed with real estate for almost 40 years. And we, we sold our company to Jones Lang LaSalle. And uh, I spent 10 years there and just retired not, not too long ago. So it's I've had a, a long career in the real estate side of the world. So, so your first contract was twenty five grand. My first NFL contract was one hundred and twenty five grand. Dak Prescott signs a four year, one hundred and sixty million, seventy five million for this year. You're still in the Dallas area, uh -huh. aren't you? yes, I am. Yep. So, so what's the talk? And are you excited about Dak and the prospects of maybe bringing a Super Bowl to Dallas or, yeah. or the contract? Or what, what, what's your first thought when you hear these numbers? I'm not sure the structure of, of uh, how it's done because, you know, football's a big team game. And so there's a lot of players that have to get paid. And so it, I, I think, you know, Dak's, you know, is a quarterback and uh, we're, we're uh, getting paid. The quarterbacks are getting paid, uh, looks like the most. And he's right up. I, I think he's really a fine quarterback. I think he's really a good football player. Now I saw in the paper, it, it's, it's a structure of he's getting, he's sure getting a lot of money, but he, it's, uh, it's, it's structured such, I guess, where it doesn't go against the salary cap or, uh, but the salary cap really is, is, is a factor in, uh, in, uh, you know, today's teams. And uh, it's still a lot of money. I really believe that they, they believe that Dak, Prescott is their quarterback, and uh, and I do too. I just I would love to see him uh, stay healthy and have a great year next year. And uh, I'm still a Cowboy fan. I I spent 11 years with with the Cowboys, and I I still uh, am you know root for the Cowboys. And we uh, my wife and I and our kids go to the games. We have a box out there, and I'm pulling for Dak. I think he's uh, I, I really like him. I think he's a, a fine football player too. So uh, we'll have to see how things go next year. Yeah, I, I was talking earlier about how there's a point in your career, like football could be a very short career. It could be one and done. It could be three years. The injury Dak had last yeah. year, you know, could have ended. So, yes, you make your money when you can. But there comes a point in your career and Dak's not quite there yet. This is his first huge, ridiculous contract. But where the success of the team becomes the, the primary issue and quarterbacks talk about, um, you know, all of a sudden the veteran guy might take a pay cut so we can put more money into an offensive line or more money into a, a guy at a wide receiver position. Um, uh, you and I actually had an opportunity at one of the Super Bowls to play a flag football game against each other. Oh, I don't know oh, yeah. if you remember yeah, sure it do. as much as I remember. My favorite moment was at halftime. My younger brother and I ran out and we're running routes because Roger Staubach's trying to throw us a pass. And, you know, the competitiveness is still there for you. Uh, how do you get your fix competitively now? Well, the, uh, the only way now is uh, I work out. I, I, I do elliptical machines, bikes, and uh, I just do six days a week where I'm, I'm, you know, fighting against myself working out. So it's uh, really we, we used to have a flag football game on Thanksgiving. Uh, this is the first year since I retired. from. We didn't have a flag, our flag football game. Uh, 
So uh, because of the virus deal and everything, uh, it was uh, hard to get people together. My right arm is okay. I, I can't run like I used to. <laughs> Of course, you know, I, I was a fan of yours, uh, Flutes, but you, you, were, you were the best. I mean, you, you could do it all. You could, and, you know, I, I ran too. And uh, as you know, running today is, uh, it's coming back. In the, in the NFL, you know, you got some quarterbacks that can really run. And, uh, and back then it was, uh, it, it, you, were, you, you weren't the quarterback. Hey, you're not supposed to run as much. And, but you were a runner. I was also. And, I, you know, I was, uh, I was still in the server. I guess I was getting out of the service when you uh, – had your big years at uh, Boston College, and uh, so I was a big fan of yours also. Uh, appreciate that. And and grandchildren take up most. Of yes, the time. Uh, well, a lot, lot of it. Yeah, there's there's uh, they still have some the, the games. Some some of them have have you know, had to pull back because of the uh, what's going on right now, and it's, it's 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 really a shame. We're finding out about a lot of great people though that they're uh, whether they're nurses or whether they're doctors or whatever whoever they are. We have one daughter that's uh, she's on the city council and she's uh, she she was a nurse and she's she's been given shots and so just went to a, a little flag football game with our six year old. He just turned seven. He said he was playing flag football yesterday or Saturday. So. So it's, uh, I, I got plenty to do and I got, you know, we got uh, a, a lot of things uh, that I'm, you know, I'm still involved in, in uh, quite, a, quite a few uh, different uh, situations in, in business. And so I'm, I'm staying busy. It's just that uh, kind of a different uh, atmosphere that's going on right now. And it's, uh, it's, it's really tough. It's, uh, it's, it's really, it's been really tough on uh, a lot of people and, uh, uh, it's it's really kind of crazy when when you when you think about uh, you know walking around and mask on and everything else you know and but it, it sure doesn't hurt to wear that mask and just make sure you're uh, you, you can prevent anybody worrying about you. You know it is a different time and I mean we look back to last year and you're looking at NFL football games with no one in the stands and Major League Baseball yeah, with no yeah. one in the stands. It has that feel now that things are starting to turn the corner and getting back to normal and. Uh, spring training is going on in baseball, limited fans, limited capacities. So hopefully everything gets back to normal and Grandpa Roger can go watch all the kids play ball and uh, hang out around the fields and have another superstar growing up. Um, really appreciate you taking the time and joining me. It's a big thrill for me. I can't tell you enough that how much of a thrill it is for me. And uh, thanks for your time, Roger. Well, I'm a Flutie fan, so all the best to you, Doug. Hey, everybody, this is Fran Frischella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic fires it in to Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Well, thanks again to Roger Stallback. That was a huge thrill for me. You do not know how big a fan of Roger Stallback I am. Um, we're going to move on to some Twitter questions. So, Tom, what do you have? All right, Doug. Well, you played in eight different cities, uh, over three leagues. Which team had your favorite fans? What city did you love living in? Best food, things to do outside of football? Well, I think uh, when you talk fans, and, and you're going to irritate somebody by saying picking one, but... Buffalo was amazing. Buffalo, and I think part of it is that's all they had in Buffalo are the Buffalo Bills. And uh, when I played in Buffalo, they were starving to start winning again because they were used to the Jim Kelly years, had a few down years. 
and uh, we got back to the playoffs and they went nuts. And they were, uh, I, I use this one all the time, is that on Wednesday night, early in the week of a home game, there were RVs in the parking lot in Buffalo. There's people going on vacation for five days to the parking lot in Buffalo at the stadium. You know, they're the types that they'd see at a traffic light, jump out of the car, knock on the window, all that kind of stuff. So they, they were just very fanatical. As far as living, food, no, San Diego was amazing. San Diego as a city, uh, number one's the weather, number two, the golf, and just uh, being a, you know, just so diverse and uh, being able to do just about anything you wanted within a, your fingertips. It was, uh, it was a fun four years being in San Diego. Uh, I would never have been a West Coast guy ever had I not been playing football out in San Diego. All right, Doug, another one I like this week. Uh, he says, my son will be playing football as a sophomore in high school at the varsity level as a quarterback, but up to now, he's primarily a runner. Any thoughts that will help him to work on throwing mechanics, uh, made, maybe to think to throw the ball more? You know, I was very similar. I started out as a quarterback, but because of my running skills and at the lower levels, you don't throw the ball a lot. I wanted to be a bigger part of it. I moved to running back and the running skills really helped me in my career as a quarterback. So it toughens you up. It gets you used to being hit. It gets you used to uh, being in traffic and not shying away from the hit. Then when you go back to quarterback, the biggest issue there is dealing with standing in a pocket and feeling a rush and feeling people around you. Obviously, you have to have the physical skills to throw the football, but you need to get back to the quarterback position for one reason, and that is to get used to standing in there. That is not a comfortable feeling. I, I love the running with the football part of it and being a running back because it toughens you up and allows you to get some running skills and, and, and have a toughness to you. But there is an art and a feel and a comfort that comes standing in the pocket. And you, you have to do it. You have to get in there stand there, feel people around you, and it becomes more of a feel than anything else. If you've never played the position and all of a sudden you jump back to quarterback, even though you have a big arm, you can't see anything. All of a sudden, it's a blur and you're going too fast and your eyes are bouncing all over. So uh, the drills, the techniques, all that, you can, you can get to clinics and camps and all that and, and work on your arm and throw the ball. I always felt like to get a strong arm, you got to throw the ball a lot throw the ball hard, throw it far. I used to go into my backyard and throw it as far as I can, walk down, pick it up, throw it back as far as I can and dealing with, with building arm strength. But the comfort zone of learning to stand in a pocket, learning to keep your vision up the field and focus on something upfield, that's a skill that only comes from playing quarterback. All right, and last one for this week, and we'll do this every week if you want. Tweet your questions at, at Doug Flutie. Uh, I like this one now. I don't know if it's possible. But uh, do you have a favorite sport that you wish you were better at? <laughs> well, I, you know, the one that I wish I were better at at this age is golf. I never took golf seriously. And now I have a chance to play in a lot of high-end events and things. And it's just, you know, to be mediocre to poor at golf at my age is inexcusable. But the one that I'm really bad at that I love playing is hockey. And I've gotten back into it. I'm a, a goaltender. I jump back in net and uh, playing in an adult league, a men's league, and just having a blast doing that. Um, I, I just never was a great skater, so I, I could play at a little higher level in net than I could out. But hockey is so much fun. I really enjoy it. Love your questions. Keep them coming. A lot of fun for me to, to answer the questions and get back to you on those and get you involved in the podcast. Uh, be sure to get your Flutie Flakes cast, Sirius XM app, or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to rate and review. We'll talk to you next week. 
SiriusXM Podcasts.